Hi, my name's Alex Bellinger and this is Small Biz Pod on Monday the 24th of April. Coming up in today's show, I've got a really good interview with a young entrepreneur, just 30, who has developed an, or an international uh, chic chocolate brand from nothing within a couple of years um, and uh, lots of advice and tips on how to take your products or services international, um, how to trade internationally um, and a lot of interesting stuff in the interview. So. Um, do stay tuned, as it were, for uh, Simon Coyle from Chocola, who will be coming up very soon. In the meantime, we'll also have uh, the usual roundup of uh, listener comments and uh, a brief update on uh, who's new on the Small Biz Pod Frapper map. I've also set up on the blog at uh, www.smallbizpod.co.uk. Um, a link both to obviously my Skype address, that's the internet telephony uh, system that lots of people are using. Um, and you can leave now a, a voicemail, uh, which will be a, a really good way of leaving an audio comment. You don't have to worry about um, recording anything, just uh, phone up and leave a message like you would with any voicemail. And because it's all digital, I can then play that in the show. So if you suddenly want to respond to something that you list, you're hearing in the show, um, that's a good way to, to just record your thoughts very briefly on a, on a voicemail, just like any other voicemail. If you've not got Skype, you could call my Skype in number and do exactly the same thing. And that is uh, plus four four if you're outside the UK and then 20-8133-1656 or of course if you're inside the UK that's just 020-8133-1656 so uh, yeah if you're listening to the show out on the move um, or uh, at your computer and you can't be bothered to record something or to, 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 to type an email then uh, that's a great way just to pick up the phone, leave a message on my voicemail, and uh, certainly be very happy to play any of your thoughts uh, on issues covered in Small Biz Pod on the show. So easy way to record something um, and uh, hear yourself heard, so to speak, on Small Biz Pod. So thanks a lot for any of you willing to try that out. Okay, so a quick update on the new guys who've signed up to the Frapper map. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the, the Frapper Map's just a little uh, map of the world where you can stick a pin in and show where you're listening to Small Biz Pod from. Uh, 91 at the last count, so 91 listeners have made themselves known, which is really, really good, and I'm, I'm really happy about that. Uh, be nice to hit the 100 and beyond, of course. But um, So thanks to you all. Um, uh, this uh, Since the last show, we've had John Ireland, who, who kindly sent me his telephone bill, which I won't read out on air. Um, Fred from London in the UK. Carl uh, Barton, the uh, Small Biz Pod roving reporter. Um, Derek Tellers from Stoke-on-Trent. Um, Saxa, uh, a woman from Prague who's a bit of an expert, I think, in, in e-marketing, amongst other things. Uh, she's from, yeah, from Prague in the Czech Republic. Uh, Peter Grossi from Huntley in Scotland. Um, Carrie, who's a former NBC journalist, which is uh, very, very pleased to, to hear you're listening, Carrie. A bit of uh, the old media, listening to new media, perhaps. Um, David Feinberg from Raleigh in the US. And um, Lamia Cross, who uh, appears to be a bit of a pop diva from Paris. So thanks, Lamia. 
Glad you're enjoying the show. Um, and also James Turner. Now, James Turner, who's just this moment signed up to the, the Frapper Map, just wanted to say a little bit about James. Um, he works for um, a interior um, design joinery build uh, business called R.J. Turner & Company. Um, so they're, they're architectural joiners and cabinet makers. Um, interesting that, and um, interesting that uh, what, what on the surface would appear to be a kind of an old school business is listening to um, listening to Small Biz Pod. Um, I'm pleased about that, and and you know I hope also um, you might be interested in you know develop an interest in podcasting and blogging and those types of things because I think that type of business that that the quality craftsmanship within that type of business could really, really benefit from um, from either a podcast or a blog. So interesting, and um, thank you very much, for um, uh, James, for, for, for signing up. So those are the 91 so far. Who will be next? I don't know. But now let's go straight into my interview with Simon Coyle from Chocolat. Okay, well, uh, today on Small Biz Pod, I thought we'd uh, take a look at issues surrounding how you break into markets abroad. Uh, there's a, uh, a potentially uh, lucrative way of growing your business if you can uh, stretch beyond whichever country you happen to be in. Um, obviously, we're here in the UK, but I know we have listeners uh, around the globe. So uh, how do you make that step to, to, to sell your products or services uh, beyond your your home turf, so to speak, and um, I'm delighted to have on the show today somebody who has done just that, um, Simon Coyle, who is CEO of a, a really rather innovative um, chocolate business based in Glasgow in Scotland, called uh, Chocolat. Uh, Simon, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Alex. Um, now, uh, chocolate. Uh, just to to to, to kick off um, and to give listeners a little idea of what what it is you do, provides kind of unusual lo- luxury chocolates, doesn't it? With with some really quite bizarre flavours. I see here. You you know you're, you're talking sort of white chocolate and with lemon and pepper and uh, uh, milk chocolate, chili, pecans and almonds. I mean, it sounds sounds uh, fascinating. Uh, for your tongue. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's certainly not products or flavours that you, you come across every day, but, uh, of course, uh, we, we always set out to, to be a little bit different and oh, innovative to, to try and entice uh, the, uh, the customers. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's certainly a new take. It's a very different way, we believe, of, of, uh, of selling chocolate. It's a very different look. It's a very different, uh, very different taste, and, uh, and that's certainly what we set out to do and what we're succeeding very well in doing. Yeah. Now, how did you get into chocolate? I mean, did you, did you have a, a background in, in, in the business or, or how, did, how did this idea come about and how did you get into it? Absolutely no background whatsoever. I think like all these good ideas, uh, um, it was uh, it was a gap in the market that I believed that yeah. I had spotted. Um, uh, to, to, my, to me, the, the gifting sectors and, and most across most sectors, the gifting market, um, they had all moved on. They were all very contemporary. They were very simplified. Um, you know, IKEA ruled the world, and everything was very simple. Um, but chocolate still seemed to be very frilly and very boy and very fussy. Yeah. Um, and I just believed that, 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 that there was a was room for a contemporary brand of very minimalist, very chic chocolate, presented chocolate, which, uh, which of course, also um, tasted uh, absolutely amazing, but uh, yeah. it was presented slightly differently. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, when, you, when you first set out, um, obviously, if you're producing a food product like, like chocolate, 
um, there's a tremendous amount of sort of uh, regulation and, and, and legislation around um, hygiene and, and food standards and quality and so on. Was that, a, was that a, a, a difficult thing for you to get your head around after you'd come up with the, 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 the sort of chic concept? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, obviously, there's, there's always, the, uh, always the detail behind yeah. the idea and uh, it's often a long, hard slog compared to the, the magic moment when you decide to do it. Um, undoubtedly, we had to be very careful. Um, we have uh, it's a little easier for us because we don't manufacture the product directly. We work with small boutique manufacturers who pr- produce the products on our behalf. So, okay. But we, we did still very much have to understand what those regulations were and ensure that the people that we were working with were adhering to them so that we were comfortable that we were selling our customers uh, the highest quality and the safest uh, possible product. Um, it's not the most fun or the, or the sexiest part of the, no. uh, the exercise, but... Uh, very, very necessary, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think very often, um, you know, the, that that creative spark that that develops the business in the first place, then you know, you then have to get down to the nitty gritty and then find out just quite how hard work it all is. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's not always it's not always the best part, but uh, no. if you don't do it, you'll never get there. No, no absolutely. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> I know you've uh, invested quite heavily in your in your kind of the, the the whole marketing and design concept behind the chocolate itself. And how would you describe your 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 prospective customers? Who who were you aiming at, as it were? Well, we were, we were very very clever. We thought before we launched the product, um, we thought we could uh, work out exactly that we were targeting uh, affluent young to middle aged women with a high disposable income who uh, who would um, who would love the product. And while we have a huge base of our customers fitting into that category, um, we have found that uh, everyone from my my three year old nephew right through to hundred year old grannies just yeah. um, have a, have a fascination and a love for certainly some especially some of the more unusual products. So yeah. um, you know, as often I think happens, that categorization maybe went slightly out the window. But we certainly do have a. I mean, we sell a very luxury product. Um, we believe it's great value for money, but it's certainly not a cheap option. And yeah. um, uh, you know, obviously, it's um, it, it, there are certain consumer groups which which it fits into very nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, um, moving on to. Um, uh, your expansion overseas, as it were, in terms of in terms of rolling out the brand um, to a to a much wider audience than simply a UK audience. Yeah. Um, when you what what's what made you decide to to take it international? What was the what, what when did that happen, and 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 how did you how did you implement it? Um, well, I think a part of it um, is almost a it's almost a rage against. What, what we were taught, um, what I've always heard through my business life um, before I started the brand, which was that um, the export was a very risky business and one that you had to enter um, very, very carefully. And while that is the case, um, that's, uh, it's very important that, um, that, we, uh, that, we, that we're safe in how we go about doing these things. Um, it's, also, um, it's also very important to be able to grow the business and to be able to take it to new markets. We don't have a high, we have a very differentiated product and a very yeah. premium product and uh, it's very important that we um, are able to grow that beyond our, our natural base. Um, while you obviously do have additional risks when you take a product overseas, uh, when you launch a product overseas, um, it's also something which um, if you have a dis- 
existing a differentiated product. Yeah. Um, that there are less, fewer barriers to entry than, than I believe some people make out. And uh, I think as long as you put some effort into understanding the market and the structure of the market and you ensure that your business model will fit, then uh, I think it's, uh, it's not something that's, uh, that's so difficult to do. Yeah. Now, I mean, obviously with something like chocolate, um, do, exporting could, could prove to be a could be proved to be a little tricky. Do you, do you, I mean, just in terms of maintaining the quality of the product in transit, or do you manufacture in the, in the new markets that you're, you're opening up in? We don't. We do. We, our manufacturing base is purely uh, UK and Europe. So um, we we export. Um, we ship um, the, the product from this this region right across the world. Yeah. Um, it varies how we're able to do that. Sometimes we ship in uh, in temperature controlled uh, containers. Other yeah. times we are afraid to make sure that the transit time is very limited. Um, but again, well, there are well, so, so long as you ensure that your business model can cope with any additional costs or any additional time, then um, you know it, it's often possible to uh, to do it it's not always possible to do it maybe on the same margins as your as your home market yeah. but um you know if, as long as you can make a a good uh, a good gross profit so that you you are at least um you know uh, creating some kind of profitability for the company then for a small company i believe that um, it's still a, an attractive option yeah and of course it opens up the it just opens up the market hugely doesn't it i mean in terms of potential customers Exactly. I mean, we, at the end of the day, uh, we, you know, the United Kingdom may be a, a sort of a, a very high-ranking nation within the world, but we are still relatively a very small nation. And yeah. I think that any small com- sort of uh, any small company not looking beyond its natural borders is missing out on uh, on great opportunities. I, I believe strongly that a lot of the the, um, the, the points which are considered by much large, larger organisations, where a, a very large investment uh, in a, into a market where there's very direct competition, perhaps in a more mass market product um, a lot of those uh, those issues aren't so relevant to small niche players um, because if you're able to sell your product more on quality and differentiation rather than on price yeah. um, often those barriers are much lower and uh, you know you are able to, to make that jump yeah yeah no absolutely um, so so where have you where have you had recent successes in terms of exporting um, chocolate um, I mean, we only really started exporting uh, around about one year ago, which was about a year and a half after we launched the brand in the UK. Yeah. Um, currently, we export to an, a, a number of um, European markets. Uh, we export to, to Austria, to, to Greece, um, to some small amounts of France and Netherlands. Um, but uh, over the course of this year, uh, and actually probably our biggest export market, um, the US, which is, is one which we went into fairly early on. Yep. Um, this year, the focus is very much on growing that US business, but we're also adding um, currently between 10 and 20 further markets over the next three or four months, or have already even started to launch a couple of the last few weeks, which range from uh, sort of um, other European markets, such as Italy and Spain, right through to um, further field markets, Canada, Hong Kong, uh, okay. Singapore, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, so, from a, just from to going back to some sort of practical issues, um, what kind of a, what kind of advice? I mean, in terms of actually, in terms of actually getting the getting the product into, um, presumably you're you're selling through retail outlets in these 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 countries. Are you? We are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, in terms of getting in front of retailers, contacting uh, contacting potential customers um, for for your products. How how have you achieved that? I mean, is it a question of um, flying out to the places, setting up meetings with people, or or, or are there or, or there is there a sort of trade investment body that can help make contacts for you? How how did you go about it? 
I think it varies depending on the market. Um, yeah. for, certainly for smaller markets, um, what we find works best for us is uh, the use of a, a good importer and or distributor who knows the local market, already has the contacts, is respected in the market, and where, um, who can take the product and immediately get it into the correct channels. Yeah. Um, that's certainly, for, for the majority of our markets, that's how we work. Um, Obviously, because it's a sort of ultra-premium product, it doesn't have um, sort of you know, outlets within a market don't range in the tens of thousands. They tend to range in the hundreds or maybe the yeah. thousands in a bigger market. So we have to be we need to be working with people who know those markets inside out. Um, in some of the bigger, more developed markets like the US or maybe Canada, um, what we tend to do is. Um, we have a, a sort of hybrid approach in, in that in certain regions we have distributors who will work with um, sort of local retailers for, for us on our behalf. Yeah. Um, but we also um, go out and sell direct to um, bigger groups, department stores, large semi-air supermarkets, that kind of thing, where, um, where we can actually work with them direct and where the business model supports that type of relationship. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Of course, when you're in, involving um, uh, so those third parties, if you like, those intermediaries between you and the ultimate retailer, which may not have been the case based in your UK market, that will, that will squeeze margins a little bit, won't it? Oh, it, it certainly does. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I think uh, you have to be comfortable and aware with the various parts of your, you know, your, your the build-up of your profitability to make sure that you, you understand how it works. There's no doubt that um, compared to your home market, your gross margin will almost certainly take um, a hit. You may be able to raise your sales price a little if it's a, a commodity from overseas that's perceived as to have a higher value than your home market. Um, but generally, you'll probably find that your, your gross margins will take a hit. But if you have a very um, sort of of, uh, if you have a very uh, restrained um, overhead base in terms of yeah. you don't have to throw massive overhead offices staff at the market, then uh, you know if you find that you can run it on a very small overhead base, that reduced margin can still lead to a, a healthy operating profit at the end of the day. So I think um, it's important to, to be open-minded about the opportunities and not look at a, 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 mar- a margin that's 20% less than you. You might have operated at home and think that's going to be a disaster. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. Um Finally, Simon, you, you've been uh, identified by a number of sort of high-profile magazines and so on as, as a, an entrepreneur to watch, and you're only you, you 30, is that right? That's right. So, um, you know, you, you're achieving global domination at a young age. <laughs> <laughs> what, I mean, uh, for, 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 you know, prospective entrepreneurs and, and businesses, uh, you know, who are perhaps sort of in, in their early days, what would you? What advice would you give to 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 to, to people with ambition to su- to succeed in the way that you've done? I mean, are there any sort of key things that that you think have been been a secret as as, as to why you've managed to to push chocolate the chocolate brand so um, so effectively over the last uh, year two years? I think. Um I think there's no doubt that the, the, the number one thing you have to do is have an absolute and whole belief in yourself. Um, yeah. uh, there'll be a million people that will tell you why it won't work, um, from your bank manager to everyone, uh, your potential suppliers. Everyone will have a reason why it's a bad idea to do what you dream of doing or to grow it or to expand it or to, to change it. And uh, 
I find that uh, no, you know, while you always have people around you that are supportive, I think that that belief in what you're doing, um, and hopefully it's a belief that's supported by you having investigated and researched what you're actually doing, yeah, you, yeah. you have a basis for that belief, yeah. um, then that will you know that that will help carry you through. I mean, I think that combined with um, the willingness to to be flexible, to 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 um, to realise when you make a mistake and be almost proud of the fact that you can make a mistake and, and realise it and change what you've done. Yeah. Um, that I think uh, that combined with a hell of a lot of hard work, you can uh, you can take it forward and you can uh, you can really push your your brand, your ideas, your company, whatever it might be. Okay, Simon, that's really really great. Thanks very much indeed. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that. Um, certainly some some uh, inspiration, I think, there for anyone wanting to uh, look at trading their, their, their products or their services abroad. Um, I'll put a few links as well um, on the Small Biz Pod uh, blog at uh, www.smallbizpod.co.uk um, to various resources to help uh, you guys if you're thinking about um, exporting your goods or services. Now, on to, as promised, some uh, readers... Oh, sorry, readers. What am I saying? Some listeners' comments... And uh, let's uh, take a, take one here from uh, Alan Stevens, uh, who is um, from Media Coach. Um, and he says, just saw your site referred to on eCademy, so I had a look. It's excellent. I'll definitely be recommending it to clients. Um, as well as being a media journalist, I've also been interested in communications technology. I started up and ran an ISP uh, called Witch Online 10 years ago. And I've been podcasting now for about a year. Interestingly, my podcast audience has very little overlap with my 4,000 e-zine subscribers, so it's clearly horses for courses. Anyway, just wanted to say well done and keep up the good work, and that's from Alan Stevens. Um, so, yeah, I think it is horses for courses. Some people, I think, Alan, um, prefer to receive information uh, over audio. Some prefer to, to read. Uh, I suppose the advantage that audio has is that you can listen to it, when it wherever you are and you don't, don't necessarily have to uh, um, be at your desk or, or, or with book or magazine in hand to do that. So, um, yeah, it definitely horses for courses, but thank you very much. And do check out, um, Alan has a, a great podcast. If you're interested in um, preparing yourself for the media, um, a bit of media, free media training, do check out Alan's uh, really amusing, entertaining and, and very good podcasts. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, I would give you his, uh, web address. It's not here in the email. I'll, um, I'll put a, a link as always, um, to his site on the, uh, blog. Now, I also had, um, a interesting email from a guy called, uh, Jason King, uh, who's recently set up the bizarrely named officebuffoon.com. Which uh, I, I can imagine you think, well, why on earth would I want to go and visit that? Well, um, he writes to me saying, I, I've been meaning to email you for a while now to let you know how useful and interesting I found Small Biz Pod. I've listened to all 25 of them so far, either in my car or on my MP3 player. I must say I found them all interesting, informative and very inspiring. So that's great. Thank you very much. Um, interesting, too, that you, you're listening in your car. Uh, that's uh, these days, cars increasingly are coming with little uh, widgets that you can plug in your, your iPod or your MP3 player and uh, always a good place when travelling to listen to podcasts. Uh, no need to switch that radio on these days if you don't want to. Um, and anyway, um, 
Jason goes on to say, my latest venture inspired by listening to your podcast is officebuffoon.com. I, I think I'm flattered by that, uh, which I created with the intention of making the lives of office workers more interesting and fun, having worked in various offices since leaving university where he studied software engineering. I've realised that there must be millions of office workers out there with internet access but who get very bored at times. I intended to create a resource of advice, tips, gadgets, links, jokes and a blog to help reduce the monotony of office life. Well, anything that reduces the monotony of office life is no bad thing, I think. So um, do I'll put a link to well, it's officebuffoon.com, so go and check it out. Uh, see what you think. Uh, I think there's some amusing stuff on there, so... Um, yeah, definitely worth a, worth a look. Uh, he says, I must end by thanking you and your excellent podcast for helping me make this idea a reality. It's also worth remembering that for every positive email you receive like this, there are hundreds of other listeners who also appreciate the work you do but never quite get around to providing feedback. But rest assured, you're doing very worthwhile work. So thank you very much for that encouragement, Jason. That's, that's really much appreciated. Uh, and then, um, following the factoring uh, edition, which was show number 25, Small Biz Pod 25, um, I had an email from Paul Worrell, uh, who uh, says, still an eager listener, show 25 popped into my feed reader, feed demon, I uh, haven't listened to it yet, but had to respond straight away. Invoice financing um, has been a pet subject of mine for over five years. Um, as I've been working on an online exchange for small businesses to finance their sales more cheaply. If I'd known you were running the show on that subject, I'd have taken the opportunity to introduce the concept to you. I was one of the first to audition for the BBC's Dragon's Den with this business, but they felt the audience wouldn't quite understand it. I, it wasn't a mousetrap. <laughs> Um, www.vendorfinanceservices.net is the, the site um, which contains details of um, Simon's, uh, sorry, of Paul's uh, financing solution. And uh, interesting it is too, um, worth having a look at. Um, he says, essentially after many years in investment banking, I discovered a way to introduce investor to investors to advance cash against the invoices without the need for high street banks. Um, it's absolutely genuine, but I have to find an investment grade buyer to prove the concept with. So uh, I hope you do, really, um, Paul, because uh, anything that makes it easier for investors and indeed for uh, businesses or entrepreneurs to find finance should that be the way they want to go is uh, is a good thing so uh, interesting and um, he's also launched a, a podcast um, on um, Java on a sort of open source software um, rather um, called jossforbiz.interition.net again I'll put a, a link in the show notes um, and I have had a look at uh, a listen to that. It is about Java, Java open source software. Um, a little bit over my head, but if that's your bag, and I know that a lot of developers uh, out there would be interested in it, so um, do check out Paul's podcast. Now, um, I also had, if you remember, I mentioned on the last show that I'd be appearing on um, a podcast. Uh, called Mind Your Own Business. And Guy at Mind Your Own Business has been very kind, giving me some nice feedback. Um, but he also um, mentioned that um, uh, he was looking forward to uh, views from listeners on entrepreneurship. 
Uh, I should also say that uh, he's kind of connected up with Joe and Jonathan from Nunu Designs. Uh, they're in discussions. If you remember from the last episode, Nunu were interested in seeing if they could find anyone who'd be interested in investing in their business. And uh, there's a conversation beginning. So, um, again, another example of, of listeners from Small Biz Pod actually interacting with each other. And I, I really do hope that that works out. But even if it doesn't, um, it goes to show that uh, there are kind of opportunities that podcasting does ki- and kind of help pe- bring people together in this uh, small business space. So uh, always intriguing and, in- intriguing and interesting to hear that kind of feedback. Uh, now, I did get um, a response from um, a long-standing listener, um, Gordon from Oxil Business Training and uh, the author of the Broken Bulbs blog, who uh, threw out a few ideas on what is an entrepreneur. You remember from the last show, um, we had a comment that uh, questioned the use of my and others' uh, free use of the word entrepreneur. And Gordon says, well, uh, here's a few few ideas to get you going. He talks about characteristics, and he suggests as characteristics um, romantic in the sense that the, the entrepreneur is more concerned about how the world ought to be rather than how it is, vital and energetic, passionate and persistent. Um, I certainly agree with the latter three. Romantic, I hadn't really considered, but I guess um, that's an that's an interesting one. Um, somebody with a vision to change things that might be uh, the way the way to describe it. And and I can see that. I can definitely see that. So he asked, what drives an entrepreneur? Well, a dissatisfaction with the status quo, a desire to prove that he or she is better than the others, a desire to form a transgenerational dynasty, basically passing wealth from children and grandchildren onwards, Um, a desire to form a a private kingdom. And and both the transgenerational dynasty and private kingdom concepts come from a, um, uh, uh, I guess, an economist um, or or a thinker called Schumpeter, um, which is interesting, I and mean, I'm going to look into his work because there's some, you know, some quite interesting ideas he has there on what makes an entrepreneur. Uh, Gordon also suggested desire to free oneself from the controls of others, and um, psychic rewards. I just uh, personally and psychologically uh, achieving something, um, prestige, um, the prospect of success. It's not the su- it's the success, not the fruits of the success. Um, as as one Israeli entrepreneur has pointed out, according to Gordon, uh, and the other option is desperation. I can I can see that too. Um, so uh, some very interesting thoughts and ideas that I'll just throw out there. Um, it, Gordon also leaves me with the idea of, again from Schumpeter that um, uh, he Schumpeter claimed that the the huge contributions of the entrepreneur. Uh, or without it, um, capitalism would ultimately be replaced by some form of socialism, which um, Schumpeter claims is the heir apparent of capitalism. Interesting. Capitalism would fail not because it was a flawed system, but as a direct result of the social and cultural forces that its success creates, a social and cultural backlash. Now, um, uh, there's an awful lot there, Gordon, to, to think about, and I'm uh, actually going to use it as the basis for a uh, a show in its own right. And uh, so I'll come back to that and develop it. Um, in my opinion, um, just to, to chuck some further thoughts into the pot on entrepreneurship, um, an entrepreneur is somebody who is um, willing to 
uh, create. I think creativity is important. Um, create something from scratch. Build something. Um, and yeah, there's perhaps a little bit of empire building going on there. But um, somebody who is passionate about creating something new and the impacts that that has both on uh, their own lives and on the lives of people around them in society, their employees, the communities in which uh, the business is built. So there's, a, there's one further thought. Um, now, uh, we're very close to my, uh, in fact, we're past my 30-minute golden rule. And after last uh, couple of weeks back's show where I stretched to all oh, 50 minutes or so, um, I, I'm going to draw this to a close. As I say, um, I'm going to put together a, a show dedicated exclusively to some thoughts on entrepreneurship and, and examples and, and views from experts, um, and including perhaps Gordon. I might get Gordon on, uh, on a Skype call and, uh, and get him to discuss some of these issues, uh, which, would be, which would be good. Um, but um, let's finish the show now, and uh, you can contact me in the usual way by... Uh, leaving a message on the small biz pod blog which is at www.smallbizpod.co.uk or you can send me an email at alex at smallbizpod.co.uk or as i said earlier you can leave a message on my skype voicemail system which you can contact uh, just by if you've got skype just by giving me a buzz on uh, my skype username which is alex smallbizpod or if you're not on skype just uh, give me a buzz and leave a voicemail message like you would do normally as i said earlier on 020-8133-1656 or if you're outside the uk just add plus four four on the front of that so it would be plus four four two zero eight one three three one six five six so, as I say, look forward to hearing from you, however you want to communicate. Um, if you've got any thoughts on entrepreneurship, on international trade, on building a, a luxury brand like uh, Chocola, uh, do get in touch. Or if you've just got some other ideas for the show, I'm always happy and willing to hear those too. And now on to uh, this week's choice of uh, music from Electromancer.com, as always. And after the uh, drum and bass mayhem of the last show, I thought I'd play something altogether more relaxing. And uh, this track is called Jupiter 2 by Quibus. <laughs> <laughs> 